Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. guys, welcome to Muscle Car. Our shop's looking a little empty around here, and that's because we've been pushing projects out the door left and right. Well, all this empty space left a little bit of a vacuum, and look what it sucked in. This 70 and a half RS Camaro is our next project. And no, we're not going overboard with it. We're getting back to the basics with a stock style build. No frills, just old school muscles what we're after with this one. Yeah, it's had a bad repaint in a non-stock color and a reupholstering that smacks of the 80s. But otherwise, it's all original. The RS option gives us the highly sought-after split bumper front end. But since the Rally Sport package was only about looks, it doesn't have much to brag about under the hood. This stock 307 has given up the ghost. And since it wasn't really known for its performance, we're going a different direction. We know we want to stay stock, because these cars look great straight out of the box. When you ordered a brand new Camaro in 1970, you had a lot of options to choose from. So we're going to pretend like we have a factory order sheet and check off all of our favorite options. And when it's finished, it's going to look and drive just like it rolled off the showroom floor. The biggest, baddest engine you could order was the optional L78, the 375 horse version of the 396. One problem, they were only available in the SS and only 600 of them rode off the assembly line. Now, our Camaro is the basic RS, so we're going to be building a recreation of the rare RSSS L78 396. Add in the Z28 wheels, GM's lime-colored citrus green paint and black SS stripes, and it's going to steal the show. It's Project Limelight. The biggest change we need to make to transform this car is the engine. We found this 396 in the local classifieds. The reason we liked it is because it's complete and we may be able to reuse some of the brackets and accessories. With visions of big block power dancing in our heads, it's time to grab the tools and pull some parts. Hey guys, welcome back. Project Limelight is mere moments away from firing up for its first time, but that means we're working on the final details, which usually takes up a lot of time. This is about the part where somebody usually says, hey y'all, watch this. Guess the timing's off. And so are my eyebrows. Flames coming out of the carburetor mean that your intake valve is open and a cylinder when it gets sparked. Your ignition system and rotating assembly are plumb out of whack. Timing ain't that far off. Way back, 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 back. You can't ask for it to start no better than that. We looked hot and heavy trying to find the right air cleaner, but the best we could come up with was a Z28 version. Now guys, we know that we could have spent literally years tracking down every single little correct part for this car. Man, we wanted to build it and drive it. And besides, you can always swap out the incorrect parts for the correct ones as you find them. The next time you see this ride, we'll be riding in it at the Good Guys Show. But we're all out of time for this week. So until next week, y'all keep it between the digits. Hey, I'm driving. No, I'm driving. <laughs> no, no, I'll let you drive, but I'm driving this thing. Flip you for it. <laughs> Flip me nothing. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Button up my sleeve. Crystal! No doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. 
Hey, I'm Steve Bignanti from Barrett-Jackson on Speed, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. You're tuned into Nostalgia Video and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live in the studios here in downtown Clearwater, sparkling downtown Clearwater, I might add. Yo, good evening, Bobby. How you doing? No, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm <laughs> pretty good. Tommy, how you doing on the other side of the COVID-19 uh, window there? Scra- cough screen. I am surviving. You are surviving. <laughs> okay, so we got a full team here tonight. Yes, uh, we do. Just... We got our anonymous. You made up a good point. Until they pay us, we just have to turn them around. This oh, way. yeah, they're just, yeah, They're yeah. just anonymous. For, for all they know, it could be Nostalgic Radio and Cars brand cleaning products. That's exactly right. I there's an should, idea. I think we should private label that. And of course, your idea about the uh, the mask. Yeah, I know Tommy right. can't wait to get a Nostalgic Radio and Cars mask. Yeah, no, he's bobbing his head back there. Walk right into his Windexy and proudly wear yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they, they, need, they need a belt, too, now that I see Yeah, so uh, <laughs> welcome, everybody. I uh, hope everybody's hanging in there and healthy and all that other good stuff. And uh, Working on your cars. Working on your cars. Yeah, we played that little clip there from, uh, was it Muscle Car TV or one of those TV shows? I lost track of them because, quite frankly, I haven't had a chance to look at a lot of them because I'm just too busy doing stuff. Today, I actually went down to a friend of mine in town here who's a collector, and they have a 1904 Thomas Flyer Recreation. Now, I will be doing an appraisal on that car, and let me tell you how, the, how this kind of works. It's not uncommon for, and you, if you kind of search around, there's a website called Barn Finds, and I think there's a couple other ones that are Barn something or other, okay? so, And I'm, I'm a big fan of Barn Finds. I just love stumbling across stuff. And uh, I was driving around yesterday, and I won't mention where, but I will say somewhere in the backwoods of Floridia, I was actually Googling. I was reading some stuff there. My, my wife, my lovely caring bride of 37 years, is a uh, graduate of Florida State University. Go Knowles, okay? And uh, so I, for some reason, I was just reading some stuff on, on uh, Chief Osceola and some Indians. And, um, and I didn't really realize that they kind of came from the Crete tribe, which was kind of like in the Midwest or let's say around Oklahoma, and then kind of wandered into, uh, you know, as they were fighting U.S. soldiers and stuff, as they wandered into... Uh, History lesson, ladies and gentlemen, uh, into uh, Alabama, South Georgia, North Florida, and then kind of, you know, as the, as the fights ensued and as our government was trying to take over their land, they kind of got deep into Florida. And even farther south than just Tallahassee. Yeah, well, we were down there in the Everglades there, and they have a Seminole Indian reservation down there, don't they? I mean, a real live reservation. And there's parts of even uh, what is considered the Tampa Bay area where they had, had... you know, yeah. yeah, and uh, so I was just kind of reading up on that a little bit. So for some reason, I was out. I wound up out in the woods, and uh, so I was kind of thinking about Indians, and I was just thinking about you know burial grounds and and what it must have been like, you know, hundred and some odd, hundred fifty, hundred sixty years ago, or almost two hundred years ago, um, where they were kind of like roaming the woods. And I was cutting across this one road. This goes back a ways, and there was this like little causeway there. And as I was coming down the road, I saw this. No lie real live alligator and he was just kind of like uh kind of a grayish blackish color and i would say he's probably i'm gonna say four five to six feet long so he's pretty good size gator not something i necessarily want to mess with and uh no because you too are five six feet long yeah you can fit right inside yeah i fit right inside (laughs) that thing of course you were sitting next to me when we were doing that little trip and uh by the time i got my camera out and around he had ran across the street and went from one Kind of like canal to another canal, and I thought, wow. And people walk along the street, they walk their dogs, they jog. Yeah, I'm not so sure I'd want to do that. But at any rate, so while I was out there wandering around, I was just kind of figuring, you know, it's just kind of really, really cool. And then all of a sudden, next thing I'd see in this wooded area, and there's a deer in there, and then, you know, the usual stuff, raccoons and stuff roaming around. But I wandered into this neighborhood, and... Looking for a bucket, right? Yeah, looking for a bucket. <laughs> and that's an inside joke, ladies and gentlemen, looking for a bucket. Because I have a bad habit of if I see something lying alongside the road and I can use it, yes, sir, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I will stop. Right, Bobby? Yeah, right. That's and I will... <laughs> IG, my buddy, he's, he knows darn well that I've uh, gone after buckets. We're going to start the Rob's Bucket Report on the <laughs> And ladders and whatever other utilitarian little goodies I can see laying alongside the road. Continue here. Anyway, so uh, there was a 66, 67, I'm going to say, Charger and uh, 
uh, covered with car parts. Countless Camaros out there, even early first-gen Camaros. I stumbled across a couple of those. You can tell by the silhouette. And uh, so there, where I'm going with this is there's still cars out there. But I was kind of surprised to see the guy that had uh, like 5, 77, 78, well, 78, 79, 80, that body style with a rubber bumper. Camaro sitting out there, and he was working on them. He had one outside. And he wasn't cutting these things up to make roundy round cars out of them. He was uh, working on them. And, uh, so, and then there was another guy that had a bunch of them. And then Chevy pickup trucks and Ford pickup trucks and, and Mustangs. Not as many as I used to find, but I did find a few of those. Uh, but a lot of oddball stuff. There was a back end of a Chevy Roadrunner in one guy's garage. Um, silhouettes of, uh, I'm going to say, some sort of a GMA body, 68 to 72. A bodies are basically Cutlasses, Buick Skylark, Chevelles and Pontiac Le Mans' GTOs and so on. So the cars are still out there. So where I was going with this is because we played that one little clip. And what, and Lawrence was on our show a couple months, about a month or two ago, and he's big into second-gen Camaros. And I, even though I'm a Ford guy, I do like second-gen Camaros. And I love, I shouldn't say love, I really truly like uh, 70, 70 and a half Z28 RS front-end cars. Now, the RS option was basically a trim package, just like it was in 67, 68, 69, and 70, 71, 72 was an RS, so it was a split bumper front-end. The SS package was obviously the performance package. You could order a lot of stuff with the RS package, but according to this storyline, and I'm not sure how true this is, but you couldn't get a 375 horse, which is a solid lifter 375 horse L78 396. I'm not 100% sure about that, Um, but... You know, for TV, you know, TV's TV. At any rate, but it was kind of a cool car. So where I'm going with this is they took basically an RS car that they found in California. They actually referenced that if you listen to the whole storyline. You know, good cars come from out west. They're rust-free, clean cars. And, yes, you can take the nuts and bolts off those things. And they just literally unbolt and go back in and come uh, go back in the same way they came out. Pretty cool stuff. By the way, speaking of nuts and bolts, big shout-out to my good friends down there at Tri-City Bolt and Screw. Because I make my pilgrimage 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 once a week down to see Timmy and those guys down there at Tri-City Bolt and Screw on US-19 because I get all kinds of nuts and bolts and fasteners and goodies like that. At a good price. At a good price. And drill bits and uh, other fasteners, you know, tap cons and things like that when I got to screw something back together. And I have a bad habit of taking things apart and putting it together. A lot of nuts down there? A lot of nuts down there, yes. Including one of them sitting in the studio here tonight. I'll, I'll (laughs) I'll speak for myself. But at any rate, so where we're going with this, too, again, uh, I always say that. Where am I going with this? That leads to the my, 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 uh, part of the oh, yeah, my, my little segment. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at any rate, so, you know, it's like take the car, find something basic, and make it what you want to be and enjoy it. Drive it and enjoy it. And uh, so many times, you know, people get all caught up in this match-numbered stuff and originality. So if you have, and again, when I appraise cars, where I was going with this 1904 um, Thomas Flyer that I'm going to be doing – it, the car is truly ASPT assembled from parts. It is leftover parts from the turn of the century, and a couple of guys got a hold of it, some really cool fanatical guys, and made a work of art. And just from that standpoint, you can easily, like I was telling you, the guys that I know out west that restore some of these cars, whether it's Mercedes-Benz's, Delahaye's, whether it's Duesenberg's, whether it's Cadillac's, whether it's Mustang Shelby's or anything like that, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours, think about that, to get it perfect beyond you know, let's just say Pebble Beach quality cars or Amelia Island quality cars. Takes a lot of work to do that. But then you've got something that's really, truly a piece of art, and you can't drive it, you can't enjoy it. You just stare at it. You know, just put it in your living room, and, you know, hopefully everybody will think it's just as cool as you do. But if you want to drive it and enjoy it, find something, whether you want to restore it, whether you want to paint it up, fix it up real nice, or whether you want to do what I do, just leave them alone and just drive them and change the oil once in a while until the red light comes on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> and then just, beyond. Yeah, then beyond. <laughs> Yeah, when your when your dad says uh, oil change, long overdue, dude. Hey, like like five thousand miles ago. Okay, anyway. Um, when the lights start glowing on your face, you know it's time. Yes, you, yes, you know yes, yes. And uh, so, but at any rate, but just have fun with them. But this, like this Thomas Flyer is, uh, you know, it costs almost a half a million dollars to build this car. And if you look at it, it truly is a piece of art. It's, it's a museum piece, and ultimately it will find its way in, in into a museum. But. For those of us that want to drive our cars and enjoy our cars, pick something that you really, really, truly enjoy. Go out and find that car, you know, and put it together. And now, with, you know, under the circumstances here with this pandemic, 
you know, it's probably a good time. I mean, I'm amazed that when I drive by these houses, you know, usually in the, late in the evening, sometimes on weekends, you'll see the garage doors open and, uh, the, you know, you see some legs hanging out from underneath the front end of a car because somebody's working on their car having mm-hmm. a good time, right, Bobby? Mm-hmm. Which and you we, see them out driving later, hopefully. And then you see them out driving later or like me pushing it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> towing um, it. Towing it. Yeah, it's on the back of my flatbed. But anyway, Tommy, what do we got in the turntable there? We got some music? We're going to go with a little bit of a beachy thing. We got uh, some uh, a cool guy coming on this afternoon. He's been on the show before. Meekums is coming up here at the end of the month. So we're going to be talking about Meekum car auctions. And, hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Here's a little surf medley by, is it Junior Brown? Junior Brown. Hey, enjoy the show and don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Okay, we're back to tune into Nostalgic Raven Cars. And uh, Bobby has a Florida man story for us. Breaking news. Oh, yeah. Well, our state, <laughs> our state superhero, Florida man. Uh, our state superhero. Back at it again. You know, I used to, we used to bring these uh, Florida man stories. We used to do it on the show probably last fall, I think it was. And uh, I finally found one again. Okay. Um, and this time it's a car one. Oh, Florida man buys a Porsche. With checks printed from his home computer printer. Okay. Florida Man. Okay, so we don't give names on his show. So we do Florida Man 42 walked into a dealership in Destin, Florida. Destin, Florida. That's up in the panhandle. Yep, in the panhandle on Tuesday, July 28th. And treated himself to a white Porsche 911 Turbo using a fraudulent check printed on his home computer just shy of $140,000. Oh. And when Porsche Destin went to uh, take that to the bank, it didn't go to the bank. So Now they're looking for a white Porsche? Well, they actually found them off from three Rolexes. <laughs> and then, so, so they already knew about the three Rolexes when the Porsche dealership finally called and said, oh, this is, a, this is a, not a check. So, uh, and he, he got himself, he's got pictures with it and everything. So just Google Florida Man Porsche and you can see today's. 
Florida Man car story of the. <laughs> well, now, now, if you were going to do that, I mean, at least do it for two hundred forty thousand and get yourself a GT three. You know, I mean, like, you know, why just settle for just a plain Jane little nine eleven? And then yeah, waste. Do we need three Rolexes for? It. Just get one and, and a better Porsche. And, and a better Porsche, yeah, and then hightail it, you know, and uh, you know, hey, get yourself a run to, run to a different part of Florida like all the other fraudulent Flo- Florida men do. Yeah, yeah, you know, come so. to Tampa Bay and. There you go. <laughs> Traded in at Reeves and bought a GT3. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, so uh, where are we going with this? Oh, we were talking about uh, the 1904 Thomas Flyer. And, you know, I did an appraisal on a 1938 BMW 328, and that was kind of like the car back in the late 30s that really put BMW on the map. It was kind of like comparable to the Jaguar SS. And uh, and back in the, and this car actually raced at Le Mans, and they actually had it won Le Mans, in 1937-38, and that's kind of like what put it on the map. So this gentleman over in Tampa had this car, and he restored it himself. And it was actually the show winner, class winner at Amelia Island in 1996, the very first Amelia Island. And when you look at the detail on these cars, the brass, the copper, uh, the polished aluminum, the chrome, I mean, it's it really truly is a work of art. It's like jewelry. And the, the beauty of these older cars is, is they're totally mechanical, 100% mechanical. So when you, if you have a mechanical mind, you can actually follow this. You can look at it and see where this goes and that this does this and this lever does that and this gear does something else. And it's pretty amazing. In fact, they got, you know, back in the old days when, when they used to race or even when they had just the passenger cars, they have these little thing called oilers. And as you're going down the road, you hit these little oilers. And what they do is they shoot oil and it lubricates the motor as it goes down the road because they didn't have, they didn't understand oil pressure just yet and didn't have and oil pumps in them. And so, you know, and you, when you see how we've evolved, and when you look at the cars today, how sophisticated they are, it scares the living daylights out of me. I mean, it's just like, i got a friend of mine who's a uh, certified Bosch mechanic, and he's got scopes, he's got software, he's got this, he's got that. And he's a private independent guy. He's not the dealership, because some of this information, some of the repair stuff that's going on is, I don't want to say it's proprietary, but the manufacturers have pretty much of a handle on it. You know, so if you, the independent dealer or repair person, um, unless you're, you know, certified through Bosch or whoever it might be, um, it's you really got to go to school, have a have a thorough understanding of this. I mean, the cars are just way too sophisticated. It's it's just amazing. I mean, when you look at all the stuff, just just the suspension stuff, and and how many computers talk to the suspension to make it go up and down and in and out and and give you that ride quality. It's just uh, it's incredible. And truthfully, for my money, bang for the buck. I'm fine with the old vintage stuff, right, Bobby? Mm-hmm. We'd like driving our little old vintage 356s or Miss Money Penny around or one of our own Mustangs, Shelby's, or whatever. But um, anyway, on that note, I think what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and go to a commercial break. Or actually, not what we're going to do. We're going to fire up the stereo, and then we're going to get our guests on the line here in a few minutes. And we are going to talk more and more about some classic and antique and collectible mm-hmm. cars. A lot of them. Yeah, and don't forget, if you need an appraisal, give us a call here at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Find us on the website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. In the meantime, Tommy, let's go... Back in time. Let's play some more circuit. This goes out to uh, Bob Berryhill, who yes, was Berryhill. the yeah, lead. We was on a show here a while back. He was the uh, one of the founding members and lead singers for the Safaris. Here's a little wipeout.
I, I, I know what you're wondering, and I'd like to start the thing off right. I'd like to explain to you what I have on my guitar that I uh, invented many years ago, and uh, I'm very proud of it. It's this little black box that I have on my guitar here. It's called the Les Pulverizer. And you can't, <laughs> you can't buy it at Radio Shack or Sears or anything like that. This is my own invention. But with it, I can take my one guitar and I can multiply it into an orchestra. Van Halen is worried sick over my little black box. <laughs> I'd like to start first by showing you how it works. I'll start with one guitar live like this. Throw that switch and you'll hear it back. Now I'll add a part to that and you'll hear two guitars. That's three guitars out of work. Now watch this one. Now I'll go for five. Here goes a drummer. They're worried sick over my little black box. <laughs> I could keep it up all night. <laughs> now I'm going to ask the band to join me and listen to this. Hi, this is Dana Meekum. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Yeah, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, as soon as we uh, locate our guests, we'll uh, continue with our interview. In the meantime, I guess I'm just going to tell stories about cars. So while I was out running around uh, in the backwoods of, uh, you know, L.A. is Lower Alabama. Let's just say L.F., Lower Florida. (laughs) And uh, so, but it just never ceases to maybe. And what's really cool is when you go out in the country, it's kind of, well, you got to be careful because when you're out in the country, you know, they're kind of, you know, cautious who's like running up on you, you know, so or who you're running up on. So, you know, you got to, especially if there's dogs and stuff like that. So there's an art to it. But, you know, it's something I've been doing since the 70s. And uh, so I always find these guys that... Uh, somehow seem to be receptive, you know? I mean, you don't go up there and go, hey, I want to buy your car, or just say, hey, look, I happen to be driving by, and uh, I noticed that you had that uh, 74 Firebird sitting in your front driveway there with uh, the Formula Hood. Um, I was just curious, uh, you know, what's the story on it, you know? And kind of open it up that way, you know? Be kind of friendly and humble and everything like that, and they'll let you kind of get, you know... A lot of guys really are. They're just proud of their cars, you know, especially if it's got a good story attached to it. And that was one of the cars that I actually stopped and got out and looked at. A guy had a 74 Formula 400 four-speed car, pretty solid old piece. And uh, that's before the days of the of the uh, WS6 suspension, which is, you know, the disc brakes that they came out with. I think that would have been 77. Man, I'll tell you what, it's funny because the other day I was, I was hanging with some friends of mine, and we were talking cars— and I was telling them that, you know, for the most part, because I've been around this stuff since the 70s, I, I remember when a lot of these cars are really new. And, uh, and I think I'm pretty good at holding my own. But last year in the fall, we were up in Illinois, went to the National Muscle Car and Corvette Show in uh, Chicago. And I went with my good buddy Hank and those guys and his brother and everybody were up there. And it was really hum- a humbling experience because I truly kind of, learned that and again because i appraise cars because i like all cars because i've owned you know ford chevys chrysler even though i'm partial to fords okay and maybe some european cars i make it a habit of kind of knowing a lot about a lot of cars um mustangs obviously i know a ton about those cars because i've been around those probably more than any other car and maybe let's just say some 356s and 911s and stuff. so i know those cars fairly well but when i was up there and I was watching some of these guys walk around. These guys literally, 
if he was a Mopar guy, and let's just say he was a 69 B-body guy, he ate, slept, and drank 69 B-bodies. That's it. You heard the little liner that we played earlier from Steve Magnante. Steve's another one. Steve is a, basically a walking encyclopedia. I don't want to say, you know, like I used to be a, I'd jokingly say I'm a walking parts book. You know, I'm a parts book because I, I know parts because I was a wrecking yard guy, parts junkie, you know, that kind of stuff, and uh, dealt in parts all the time. But And I was around a lot of cars. But those guys that are just like truly encyclopedias, when I say that, I mean, not only do they know the car, the parts, the engines, the options, the part numbers, the date codes, but they know racing history, they know ownership history, and by that I'm talking about significant cars. Like, let's just use uh, Tasca Ford, for example. Everybody knows that Tasca is probably one of the big uh, Ford guys, uh, dealerships out of uh, Rhode Island. And they were basically like uh, one of Ford Motor Company's pets, so to speak, and they got spe- special preferential treatment and got access to a lot of really cool, rare Ford experimental stuff. Not to mention, they did a lot of experimenting for Ford. You know, they collaborated with Homan and Moody, you know, on the on the East Coast. So, you know, everybody just kind of like worked together there a little bit. On the West Coast, you had Steve Strope and uh, Strop and, and you had... Uh, um, a couple other guys out there, and I can't think of the Parnella Jones is another one. You know, they all work together. In, in Illinois, you had uh, Uncle Norm, you know, and uh, Big Mopar guy, you know. And then you had, uh, in Illinois, you had uh, um, Arnie the Farmer, you know, Beswick. Did, uh, he was a big Pontiac guy. Got a lot of Pontiac stuff. And so, but when you go to that National Muscle Car thing, granted, it's National Muscle Car and Corvette show, but it wasn't hardly any Corvettes there. It was muscle car heaven. I mean, I ran in the Shelby guys, Mopar guys, uh, Pontiac guys, AMC guys, uh, just uh, Cutlass guys. I mean, everything was there. Everything is well represented. So, you know, you always hear this expression when they talk about auctions. You know, they say, well, there's something there for everybody. But it's truly something that you really, truly need to bo- put on your bucket list because it's it's an educational experience. If there's anything and everything that you wanted to know about a specific, you know, American-made um, muscle car, and again, you know, we we define muscle car. We get into that all the time. You know, I mean, truly, the muscle car, muscle means horsepower. Okay. And it got kind of turned around. But, you know, when you really talk about Ford high, uh, early high-performance cars, you're really talking early 60s. So 61, 62, 63, you know, the big Galaxies, the big Pontiacs, the big Chevrolets, the big Dodges, the Max Wedge cars. Those were really the true muscle cars because they were, you know, they took these full-size passengers of cars. They put the biggest motors that they possibly could. They put four speeds in them. They lightened them up, you know, whether they drilled in the frames, whether they put aluminum front ends on them, whether they put fiberglass seats in them, whether they put plexiglass windows, all that kind of stuff. They just put gobs and gobs and gobs of goodies on the car to lighten up just so they could run, you know, in a super stock class. And that's actually kind of one of my favorite classes. I love pro stock racing. Uh, or super stock racing and pro stock, I think, is pretty cool too. But that didn't come out until later. But anyway, so these cars were, you know, the, really the the, the 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 forerunners to the intermediate cars, which I'm not so sure you call those muscle cars, but intermediate cars like your Pontiac GTO, which is really the the starting car of the small, medium, intermediate sized car horsepower race, and then the pony cars, which is truly a Mustang, hence pony, Mustang, you know, but I mean, the Camaro was a pony car, the Challenger, the later ones were pony cars, the Barracudas and stuff, Um, you know, and of course, these cars competed in SCCA, they competed in road racing, drag racing, and they were all... Depending on who built the motor and who was the wise guy and the wizard behind the mechanics, they all ran fast, okay? And we got our guests on the line? All right, super. Well, hey, you're tuned in to uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our very special guest for the evening, who's been on our show many, many times. Uh, car guy, guitarist, I'm delighted to welcome back the voice of Meekum Auctions, John Kramer. John, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man, doing good. Getting forward to getting back down to Florida. Unexpected trip, but uh, everyone's cranked up, man. Well, gosh, I mean, this is just a big surprise. I mean, you know, it's amazing. You fill in the void that typically this time of year would be, you know, Monterey Collector Car Week, which you guys are at, obviously, and yep. uh, and, and and Woodward Dream Cruise. So basically, you have guys, you, Meekum, have done everybody in Florida a great service, <laughs> and you're bringing the event here to Florida. So that's great. So tell us about it. Yeah, let me tell you kind of how, how it came to be. First of all, um, for obvious reasons, we've had to either cancel or postpone quite a few of our auctions. We've taken our April Houston auction, moved that back into December. Our uh, spring auction, which is our big annual spring classic, normally the week before the Indy 500 in May, 
We did that a couple of weeks ago. It was another new record, almost $75 million in sales there. We canceled or delayed Portland, Denver, Harrisburg, and, of course, Monterey, which we just would have been uh, heading out to uh, here within the next week or so. So what we've done is, here's what's happened. We have looked at our schedule. We've looked at venue availability in states and uh, specific auction venues that we've been to before. And, of course, the largest collector car auction on the planet is held annually. It's Mecham. Uh, Kissimmee, always in January. Uh, another record year this year, of course, with the sale of the Bullet Mustang leading the charge. That was very exciting. Um, but so, anyway, long story short, we've decided, you know what? Let's go back down. Let's go to the summer. Uh, three-day auction. Uh, a thousand cars. Um, runs August 27th through the 29th. And it's really, other than the safety measures that we put into place, which I'd be glad to go over if you like, yes. it's really business as normal. We'll have a full uh, schedule on NBCSN. Spectators are going to be welcome as well. Uh, a lot of lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation. We know it's going to be a little warm down there, but we're only down there for three days. So not too bad. Now, typically, like, when you guys have your event in, in January, you've got a lot of outdoor tents, but there's a number of big buildings there that are air-conditioned, so a thousand cars, just give us kind of like a feel of how they're going to be dispersed a little bit. Yeah, what we've done is part of the safety protocol that we've done, Robert, first of all, is to make sure that the cars are uh, spaced further apart than normally. Okay. So that's our first step. We are going to have uh, tents on site. They should start to be going up here very soon. Uh, as I think our first wave of uh, workers will uh, head down to Kissimmee uh, probably about the middle of next week. Okay. Uh, it takes, takes quite a bit of time to get these things put together. We'll end up with about 300 employees down there uh, eventually uh, by the end of the month, of course, to actually uh, host the auction. So there'll be tents. People that drive by will be able to see uh, tents in place, but not nearly as many as we normally have with, with, with less than one-third of our normal inventory uh, it's going to be definitely a little bit less than a half-scale event, but, man, already a lot of great cars, two big collections consigned. Um, everything from A to Z uh, is uh, in the consignment lineup already, and we're literally taking consignments every day. So all the pieces uh, point to having a very successful event. We're, we will be checking temperatures, everybody coming in. Uh, to the venue, we'll have their temperatures checked and a wristband installed. They're good to go for the entire day. We're providing masks to everybody. They don't have one. Um, we got uh, hand sanitizer everywhere, a lot of plexiglass in place to separate people. Uh, we just went through this. We've had three auctions under these new protocols, and everything is going smooth as silk. We appreciate the support and understanding of all the attendees and, of course, all the employees as well that we all have to work together. We'd rather do an auction with masks on and do some social distancing than not to experience the auction at all. And that's, honestly, that's been the mindset. Been very gratifying and huge numbers, record numbers. People are buying collector cars during this pandemic. Uh, it's just extraordinary interest. Uh, as strong as it's ever been, we're just so lucky. Well, that's the thing that I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, whether it's bring a trailer, whether it's uh, uh, the other auction houses, uh, yourself included, the interest in the, you know, the auctions haven't stopped. They keep on going, and there's the, the interest in cars is, 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 is like you said, is, is as strong as ever. And the thing that surprises me is the numbers are very strong. Right, and here's what we have sort of found out, and you make a really good point, uh, and I would want to make it clear as well. It's not just that Mecham Auctions right now is having success in the collector vehicle world. It's the other venues that you talked about as well, and even branching out from collector cars. And I'll tell you my, my reasoning why here in just a moment. Um, uh, boats, RVs, personal watercraft, all experiencing just extreme interest. Because what people are doing, they're not going to be doing normal traveling as much this summer is typical, but wanderlust still applies. And owning an RV or a boat or certainly having fun in your garage or out on the road in your collector car doesn't prove much of a risk to this virus. So a lot of people realize that, and they are, you know, they're deciding to kind of forge ahead with their lives. They want to live their lives, they want to have some fun. They don't want to be, you know, cooped up in their homes shivering. They want to be safe, but they also want to be out there making things happen, and I'm just really so glad we, as Mecham Auction, figured out, um, uh, put together a great program that has been approved by all of the state and local and county and venue officials that it's a good, safe, 
uh, protocol, and we've proved it over the next, well, this will be our fourth auction with this in play, that it does work. People show up, they buy, they sell, they have fun spectating. So don't hesitate to come on out and spend the day uh, or two or three, spend all three days out at the auction looking at, you know, a thousand great world-class fun cars. So now, as, as people are meandering through the tents, for example, obviously, is it mandatory that everybody wears a mask out there if you're on the outside? Well, we say that it's mandatory, Robert, but we don't have any real way to enforce it. Okay. Um, over the PA system, we remind people uh, that uh, part of a requirement of us getting the approval to hold the event was as uh, we would agree to having folks wear masks. Okay. And I would say that we had about a maybe a 90 to 95% success rate. Okay. Uh, when, when people were in close contact with each other um, or, 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 or walking around where there were other people around, I would say it was closer, closer to 100%. Where we saw people relax their masks is when they actually found a seat in the, in the auditorium watching the auction action, keeping in mind that we had seats and tables spacing everybody apart, uh, they would have a tendency then, once they were seated next to their wife or their buddy, they'd have a tendency to pull the mask down. And that's where the bulk of the, of the uh, uh, folks not wearing masks. But um, at that point, they're fairly well secure. They're kind of in their own little bubble, their own little island, so to speak. And, um, you know, not really much we can do about that. 100% of the Mecham staff is setting example by keeping their masks on, including all of us on television. Uh, we called it the muzzle, by the way. <laughs> the muzzle. <laughs> yeah, just our sort of a fun nickname for it. It was a little bit weird, you know, seven hours a day talking cars with a muzzle on. Seriously, but, when you're up there, you actually have to have a mask on yourself while you're on the on the mic? Yeah, yeah, which is uh, may seem a little strange, but not only do we have to... And this was, again, part of the agreement with okay. people to host the event at the venue and get NBC approval to broadcast it on air. Um, you know, it's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts to this. We also had plexiglass that actually would separate Scott Hope, my co-host, that sits up in the booth with me. We had plexiglass in addition to masks, in addition to not having anybody come up next to us. So, honestly, I felt pretty safe and secure in my position all day long there, being fairly isolated. Uh-huh. And uh, here it's been over two weeks now, and we've been keeping track uh, as much as we can on anybody, you know, not feeling well. And, man, I'm knocking on wood. So far, we are we are totally in the clear. Everybody's safe. And as I said, man, we are getting cranked up to head down to Florida in August. Normally, we go there to escape the upper Midwest winter weather. Most of us come from Illinois or Wisconsin, and we've had a last couple days have been really nice down here in the 70s and sunny and uh, we know that'll change when we get down there but we'll be bringing our shorts and <laughs> maybe hopefully spend a little time in the pools down there as well okay so now uh you know how in in the past uh, i know people the the bidders and occasionally us media guys we were allowed to kind of walk the floor there where the where the cars are the stage is that going to be different this year i mean are they are you going to allow bidders and, and media to be able to be on the stage or is that kind of like uh, uh off limits Nope. Everything is everything is business as normal, with okay. the exception of with the exception of your mask, and then uh, uh, social distancing. Trying to stay away uh, from as many people as you possibly can, but we do not put any restrictions on being able to inspect cars, get up next to the cars, um, have a seat in the auction arena, uh, come take a look at a car for bidders, come to, or for press, of course, come up on the auction block, take photographs. Again, we just did. I mean, we just did over 2,000 cars over nine days at Indianapolis a couple weeks ago with over 30 hours of television coverage on NBCSN, and it literally went off without a hitch. Wow. As I said earlier, we did, we did, we did $74 million in sales. That's up almost $10 million from the same event last year, which was a record event. I mean, we, were to, we, we just could not be any more pleased and happy with the way that um, the, the collector car community has got behind us, said, okay, we're going to kind of follow your lead on this. And, and and that includes buyers and consigners and spectators as well. I mean, it's just, it's time it's time to get moving again, but it's time to get moving safely. That's the way we're operating right now. Okay. Tell us about, highlight some of the cars. You, you mentioned that there was two collections there. Tell us about the collections. Well, um, it's not unusual that we would have a couple of good collections. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is a Kind of an entry to mid-level collection. A guy named Marty Nelson's bringing 14 cars. 
um, 50s and 60s cars, the typical sort of auction fair that you might see, including uh, a couple of street rods. That collection, by the way, is all selling at no reserve on Saturday, so that always generates a lot of excitement. Yeah, and then then we've got another great collection uh, from uh, a really cool couple called Arnie and Ethel. All the way up in Michigan, but they're going to go ahead and bring uh, nine of their cars and trucks down as well. And again, this is going to be, I will just tell you, this auction, and we invite anybody to go to Meekum.com and take a look at the the inventory. It's just a a fun time to look at great pictures and descriptions of cars, but a lot of really good entry and mid-level cars. A car on the top end, that's my personal favorite, there's a 69 Dodge Daytona. Uh, that's the big wing warriors we call them uh, uh, 440 automatic beautifully impeccable impeccably restored it's really our 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 lead car what we call a main attraction so we will have some multiple six-figure cars there as well but somebody wants to spend 10 to 30 to 35 thousand dollars on a really neat collector car this this auction is going to be jam-packed with that and that seems to be the sweet spot right now that affordable driver quality fun car seems to be right right what folks are looking for right now if they were holding off in the past maybe waiting to see what happens or saying you know life is short i'm going to forge ahead and and the timing was right for us to be able to get all the pieces put together to host a few of these auctions whole world's going to be watching semi florida with me come the end of this month they'll be paying attention to see if what we've done so far uh has just been a fluke or if that's sort of maybe the trend of what we can see for the remainder, not only the summer, but maybe for the, for the remainder of 2020. I was reading an article not too long ago, and even though I'm a Ford guy, I admit that, we always make fun of me because of that, but <laughs> the article was, the Ford Mustang is still by far the most popular, sought-after, affordable, classic car, period. So, having said that, do you have a lot of Mustangs? Yes, yeah. Um, Mustangs typically will represent somewhere in the four to five percent of the total inventory to make them auction. Uh Um, Some of the other real popular candidates, other than the Ford Mustang, would be Camaros and Chevelles, of course, by Chevrolet. And then the Corvette leads the way, about 10 percent typically of our inventory to make them auction uh, will be Corvettes. But you you are spot on. Uh, the Ford Mustang, literally of all generations, from the very first uh, 1965 Mustang, commonly referred to as the 64 and a half, but legally titled as 1965s, all the way up to contemporary, current generation, the S550 platform Mustangs are always well represented, and I think there's going to be some really good examples. I can't think of anything uh, off the top of my head that sort of stands out, other than a really cool black 65 2 plus 2. I, that's actually the body style of my choice. You know, three body styles in the first generation Mustang, the convertible, the little hardtop coupe, and then, of course, the fastback, the 2 plus 2. And there's a really cool black one that's also on the Meekum homepage for those who want to take a look at that. But, yeah, Fox Body Mustangs from the 1980s into the early 90s really coming on strong. I expect to have, you know, a handful of those there as well. They'll be, they'll be pretty much anything. I mean, 1,000 cars is still a big auction. It pales compared to the 3,000-plus we do in January, but that's still a major collector car event. I mean, there'll be millions and millions of dollars in collector cars changing hands. Well, you know, there's one car that I was just kind of cruising through your inventory there. Now, we just did a play on this earlier in the show, and it was uh, uh, one of the TV shows that does a lot of resto mods, and they were doing a 70 RS Camaro, um, and they were doing basically a a, a big block uh, resto mod. But you've got a 70-and-a-half RS Z28, and even though I'm a Ford guy, out of all, I really truly like second gen Camaros, and that by far. And I made a comment about that earlier on the show. That I said my favorite is a 70 SS RS or RS uh, Z28, and sure enough, you got one in Hugger Orange four speed car. That's exactly what I would buy, or blue or green. But uh, that's one of my favorite uh, <laughs> GM cars as far as F bodies, and that's beautiful. So I'll be well, there. you're not the only. Yeah, you're not the only one on that, man. That is a very popular. That's the first year of the Gen Two Camaro. Yep. The Z28 went from a 302 to a 350, and not just any old 350, but that had that that high compression solid liquor cam LT1, mm-hmm. 360 horsepower in a Camaro 370 in the Corvette, same engine. It's a real hot rod. Also, first year it was available with an automatic. 
in a Z28. But as but you know, you're spot on. That's that's a four speed car and a great color, a beautiful restoration. That is not going to be an inexpensive uh, Z28. That's for sure. No, they're pulling mid fifties now. I'm just uh, amazed at how strong yep. they are. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I would expect this one to be some number north of fifty thousand. So the market is pretty strong, and yep. you, and so you know because you have people talking all the time, but but there's still a lot of really good buys under thirty thousand dollars, and you can still have a lot of fun buying some of those cars. And there's a lot of uh, you know sixty eight to seventy two uh, GM intermediates, Ford intermediates, you know again Mustangs, yeah, um, that 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 are B body Mopars and Oldsmobiles, all kinds of stuff. And what's good about all of that? Virtually every vehicle that you mentioned in that price range, it has been fairly consistent and fairly predictable as far as its value and the benefit to somebody thinking about buying one is you can go buy one of these cars today and you can keep it for two three four five years have some fun go to some cruises go to some shows uh and if you decide you want to sell it more than likely you're going to get all your money back out of it. yeah it could go up a little bit it might go down just a little bit but i think a safe way to look at it let's say over the next five years is for the market to remain at least stable and prices remain stable so that you've got a fairly liquid asset. Not a bad way to spend some fun leisure time. No, no, not at all. How about trucks? I see, I know Chevy trucks are strong, but I see Ford trucks are starting to come on strong, and I think a lot of it has to do with the with the new Bronco coming out. What's your thoughts on that? Well, no doubt about it. The new Bronco is a sensation. Right now, uh, 2020, uh, the, the, the Bronco is the current darling. Last year, uh, 2019 was the introduction of the, the all-new mid-engine Corvette. It got all the attention. And now it's the Bronco. And you're right, the Chevy trucks, particularly um, the C10s, what we call the glamour era trucks from 67 to 72, that's the real hot market right now. Doesn't matter, long bed, short bed, four-wheel drive, two-wheel drive, doesn't matter. Restomod, stock, restored, original, uh, barn finds, it doesn't matter. But Ford, the Ford trucks have definitely been on the march. Right now, they're a little bit undervalued. Everything else being equal, you can get a better buy in a Ford pickup than a Chevy of a comparable year. And the Dodge, even more so. Rarely do we see a Dodge. Wow. But trucks, trucks have been the real big movers. Trucks and resto mods are the two biggest movers in the collector vehicle world over the past five or six years. And no end in sight for either uh, one of those two genres. This is very, very strong trucks now on the, in the showrooms from from the Detroit 3, uh, the Ram, and of course the Chevy and GMCs, and of course the Ford, the F-150, they're the number one sellers for all the manufacturers, and I think that's that's worth its way down to the vintage uh, trucks as well. Trucks are just cool. They're practical. John, we are... They make a statement. John, <laughs> we're up against the clock. I apologize for that, but I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I will definitely be there at Kissimmee. I want to thank you guys at Mecham for doing everything you can to keep everybody safe over there, and uh, we will certainly continue promoting it. In the meantime, thank you very much. Say hi to Dana and Frank and all those guys for me, and thank David again. And uh, we'll you see you at Mecham this week, end of the month, okay? All right, man. Thanks so much, guys. All right, thank you. Hey, all my listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in to Nostalgia Radio Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tan Talk Radio Network, live between 7 and 8 p.m. Don't forget to tell your friends, follow us on social media, check out our website, Gulf Street Motorsports. And I want to see you guys at some of the car shows. Meek them the end of the month. Check out FLACarshows.com. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.